the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 31 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Night Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight, recording this just as weigh-ins are concluding. It looks like everybody is pretty much on weight, uh, at least the people I was targeting. Uh, I'll uh, skim through that, of course, the card in question, UFC Vegas 31, UFC ESPN 26, UFC Mahacha versus Moises. Um, you can check the timestamps as for usual when I start that. It'll be from top to bottom as per usual. And I will uh, recap my picks and plays at the very end for those of you who are running short on time um, and just for uh, your convenience. Um, before that, it's just going to essentially just be some quick shouts. And I probably won't be able to get to everybody because there's a lot of people to shout, a lot of things to shout. And a quick recap of UFC 264. No, I won't be going into Zapruder footage. Uh, you know, that's not, uh, well, I don't want to say it's not my thing. I mean, it's kind of my job. But, you know, as, as far as, you know, by the time this podcast hits, everything's passed. I was so busy that I couldn't do certain uh, podcasts. Shouts to you guys. I apologize. Uh, but for what it's worth, I couldn't do my own uh, until now, much less a recap. So uh, no need to go too deep. But it was a good night. It was a good night on many levels, but a winning night relevant to this year's show. So uh, we will uh, definitely recap that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see if we can get this bad boy under an hour. You can call me out now if you're listening in the future, 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 future. Um, yeah, man, it was a, it was, it was a great week. Uh, I decided to try to... I, I, I did good, and then I think all the stress hit me this week, though. But I didn't stress during a McGregor fight week, you know. I, I made sure to put that tweet out just because it, it, it's a tough it's a tough week for many, you know. Uh, and especially, you know, I believe the FOMO is like times 10 with the, you know, uh, pandemic and whatnot. And uh, those who were, were privileged and lucky enough to come out, um, there were a lot who weren't. Uh, and then amongst the, you know, media space, it can get, you know, it can get ugly, and, and I, amongst you know other colleagues uh, of mine uh, who I also love, I know they, they sentiment the same way. And I, one thing I forgot to shout about that uh, in, in relation to that um, was I wanted to uh, shout out the last episode to uh, Chef Sam from MMA Junkie Radio. I know the, the junkies who listen to this uh, know who Chef Sam is. But um, I remember it was, uh, I think it was the Khabib, yeah, it was Khabib McGregor week, and that was a, that was a tough one for me for me for many reasons and not, not really worth getting into but you know your boy had some breakdowns of sorts and um to barely pull myself what really one thing that really set me off was was waking up to find out that uh um chef sam uh, was no longer with us you know um uh and uh and it was just a reminder of uh you know and then i think uh you know apropos to this card which we'll talk about lost uh uh, my coach to suicide, uh, 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 you know, another one just uh, months later. So 
a lot of the times when it's a big hubbub and everybody's, you know, ah, getting caught and, you know, the, the brouhaha, so to speak, I just try to make sure to do my best because I'm not the best at it, obviously, you know. Um, uh, but, um, you know, it's it just a reminder for us to, to think about those uh, maybe who we haven't heard from or who, you know, are too nice to really, uh, you know, call attention to themselves just you know make sure you keep your eyes open and you're spreading the love i guess is what i'm trying to say i'm trying to do the same too um so with that in mind and trying to be grateful and stress less i made it a point to really see people uh who were in town um who made plans or who were trying to make plans i i tried to accommodate as much as i could and it was awesome man i got to have uh, breakfast with an li- uh, awesome listener of the show um got to have uh lunch with some junkies I haven't seen in a while, got to watch the fights with some uh, junkies I haven't seen in a while, um, thanks for the the moonshine, Pam and Sam, um, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was good times, man, um, so, I, I, you know, if I got to see you, it was awesome, um, if I got to do your show, shout outs to like, uh, uh, what do you call, it? uh, Blaine Henry, uh, my man diehard MMA who hopefully that was perfect because again I felt the more the after weeks of McGregor fight occurred this week so being able to go on with my man Clint and do his Monday show and you guys could get a lot of my early takes which some change but a lot of them circled the drain of where I thought so it, 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 the show did not mislead you plus of course you got my man Clint's takes right uh, which are always 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 a, you know, a solid uh, a reference if you will. So, um, really appreciate him having me on. Uh, Bill Welker, I, I, I didn't go on his show recently, although I have uh, before, MMA on the Rocks, I gotta get him on mine. Uh, it was nice to see Billy Welks in the flesh, man. Good dude, Billy Welks. Um, shouts to Isaac Spooner, who tweeted the, at the PYM podcast. If you want to tag or share, I will share you guys, by the way. At Dan Tom, MMA is me. Uh, sharing the top fives. He was cleaning the house and just popped some top fives on. Hopefully the audio wasn't too uh, annoying. We were definitely rounding the corner on those. Um, trying to get those a bit better for you, uh, a lot better, um, at least the top five shows with guests. So thank you, though, for listening to that. Uh, JHK was recently on his show with my man Aaron Bronsteader. That was awesome, man. Two genuinely of my favorite people in this space. Um, who, you know, um, I don't just share their stuff for a reason. They're, they're dudes who I, I you know... I speak to behind the scenes and stuff, and and there are people that I, you know, some of the, you know, uh, select few in the space that you know, uh, I feel com, you know, um, comfortable talking to. So they're just such good dudes. So be sure to support them. Um, Fight site, man. I did a podcast with them as well. Uh, not as much as uh, I, I feel like I'd, I'd like to or am invited to because I, I'm I'm so dang busy and and I hate that because I love any excuse to jump on with those guys and. You really should support them, by the way, the fight-site.com. And not just their stuff and sharing it, which is all good because it'll make you a smarter person. Um, but, um, it, it, you know, it, it's worth it, you know, as far as, you know, you know how far your bucks go, bang for your buck, and how far that buck goes and whatnot. So support them and their Patreon. Um, everyone speaking of YouTube, everyone who shared my YouTube posts when I met, hit the 500, you know, I feel like I was just echoing and throwing stuff at a wall, and I'm like, I guess I'll just, this is what I'll accept. And then uh, y'all came through and were just like, how's this guy only at 500? Da, 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 da. Anyways, it was, it was ridiculous. It was too kind, but it was very appreciated. So thank you, anybody who shared that. Um, top 5 Trilogies article uh, came out. And I know that was kind of, you know, came in, 
came and went, if you will, with the week. But you know, I still still holds up even after how that trilogy shook out at UFC 264, which we'll talk about here in a second. And um, I come back article. I don't think it's out at the time of uh, I'm recording this, but it should come out today. And um, it's in relation to Misha Tate, so in the sense it's only going to die on the vine for like, you know, it's only going to be on the vine for like a day. So, you know, please share that. But more importantly, share and check it out and bookmark it because I actually did the legwork of over 60 samples since 2013 because that's where, shout out to Reed Coons, Fight Naomics, um, that's where his book's published in December of 2013. I don't know when his research and samples end. But he pretty much did high level and made a lot of like Strike Force and other organizations because of the time frame he, the book was done in. Um, so what I basically did was I sampled, which pretty much was 90% of the annals of UFC. Although there's like some Bellator and other things in there as well. And some Japanese stuff as well, uh, if it's relevant. But um, I pretty much tracked all layoffs, year plus, narrowed it down to three years, narrowed it down to five pregnancy turnarounds i gave numbers percentages win rates um and some really interesting statistics uh if you're a nerd like myself or if you're a gambler and you want to see some hard probabilities as a jumping off point or you know uh, some decent references as a jumping off point again not complete i didn't you know track how did joe schmo do and you know fantasy fuck league seven um that's probably something real um but yeah i didn't track that folks um so um <clears throat> excuse me uh yeah so check that out please i, I urge you uh you know set your phasers to share there i don't ask that uh much at all but you know uh th that's that's one to, to look out for as well as my in-depth breakdown which did not drop yet either I, I got that one done earlier this week and again it's uh we'll get to that here in a second it's uh you know it's gonna be a technical affair all right so uh, on that note let's jump to UFC 264, where we went 9-3 and three overall. It's nice to see those numbers return. 1-0 in parlays. 2-1 uh, in props. And 0-2 oh, oh in straight plays, but then I put on asterisks for 1-2, and two, and I'll try to remember why um, that is. Uh, Dustin Poirier defeated Conor McGregor. Uh, first round TKO, doctors stoppage. Um... Yeah, a lot of the adjustments that I and many called for um, McGregor shown as far as the orthodox switches to offlet pressure for brief stances, but uh, more front kicks, more kicks, more leg kicks, but without lead hand work. Um, he was essentially just waiting until Poirier wanted to call his bluff and see if he learned how to fight going backwards again, which it was clear that he did not from the wrestling that McGregor tried to do despite what he claimed and the uh, getting pieced up. Um, I'm not going to Zapruder film where the thing happened. Shout out to my man Eric Nixick and his mom, though. Like, if there is a family where uh, analysis runs in, you know, aside my own, shout out to shout out to my Popo Doors, my grandma there, fucking OG gambler. Uh, but, uh, but man, how about Eric Nixick, man? You know, he already got the good coaching from his pops. It would not surprise me that his mom's got the eagle eye. Um... Yeah, man, it's, it's it's essentially, you know, I think there's truth to a lot of what everybody's saying. I just, it's it, it's compounding, it's damage, it happens. And um, I don't like the excuses. Uh, it, it does suck. I don't wish, you know, even though I was happy to, you know, uh, be right and caught up in the moment, if you will, I never wish, I never advocate for violence or wish 
uh, even someone who is advocating for violence like McGregor, um, physical pain like that. But, you know, it was a pretty uh, karmic night, if you will say. So, you know, that part of me I'm not going to deny. But at the same time, I do want to state, uh, don't advocate for violence. Um, no joy when people are in, you know... Um, physical pain but man i mean you want to talk about not not a very sympathetic figure right i mean this guy's done no favors for himself so it's really tough you know it's tough to uh you know pick this card the one to zapruta film and you know if we would have put this much do we put this i don't even know if we put this much into o'malley's break you know what i'm saying much less um which we'll get to him too um, you know, much less like, I mean, could you imagine how fast we would have found JFK's murder if, like, you know, we just had this MMA Twitter energy that we have for Connor? Like, it would be insane. Zapruder footage, be damned. Be damned. Um, Christopher Walken, what are you doing here? Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't got much to say about that. I think the fight was going one way. It sucks because you can't technically can't say that, but. I believe the fight was going on way between the takedown, uh, the fact that you know Dustin Poirier was Joe Duffying him, Joe Duffy guy who beat Conor McGregor before Dustin did, twice, but um, he uh, you know was piecing him up with the southpaw stance, uh, no answers on the back foot. Um, Poirier, I, I think, had him figured out, and then his, what history would tell you is that McGregor is not a, a great nail. He's a good hammer, but he's not a good nail. Um, just like the guy I keep comparing him to, and now it's kind of coming full circle, BJ Penn. You know, so I don't know if this is like a mix of the George St. Pierre because, you know, BJ went to the death and, you know, ends up, you know, done between rounds, and Connor says, you know, someone's going out in the stretcher and he goes out in the stretcher, right? Or maybe it's like the BJ um, Edgar trilogy where this kind of, now we just see, see sadness from here on out. Um, which I hope not, but, um, yeah, man, these things repeat themselves and human beings are human beings. And when they're young and they're, you know, whether they're used to money or not having that kind of money and that kind of power and it's, I don't know who could handle that. Not making excuses for McGregor, by the way, by saying this, I'm just saying, um, you know, this is a tale as old as time. So yeah, uh, my sympathy, you know, meters aren't exploding. I'm not going crazy on the Zapruder footage here. Um, everything I saw was pretty much confirmed, minus the normal finish, which I do wish happened, obviously, right, for, for many reasons there. Um, uh, both fighters, I'm sure, do. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's really um, not much to say on that one, right? That hasn't that hasn't been said. So, uh so yeah, McGregor. I know he's making the excuses now, saying he came in with it, and I don't know. It's you know, he's got the yes men. Get another parallel to BJ, and uh, yeah, the whole without shin pads and I don't even care. I don't even care to give credence for it, folks. You know, all these fighters have to deal with this shit. So whatever. Um, next fight: Gilbert Burns defeated Stephen Thompson. I was dead wrong about this one. Uh, me and many were confident in the stylistic matchup. Uh, but I should have listened closer to the, my own analysis as far as Gilbert Burns starting to show more um, open shots and better setups for his wrestling. And since all the work he's done with Gray Jones and so forth. And, um, yeah, he just saw he showed that here. Um, and, uh, you know, big cage be damned. He was, um, didn't care if it was ugly. He was just getting to his, uh, he was getting to his shots and... Wonder Boy, man, I love him, but he seems to ask the bed in, the, in these spots. So, 
Uh, probably no title shot for him, which sucks. So maybe not karmic for, for him. He's one of my guys, but uh, I also like Gilbert Burns. So, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you know, Stephen Thompson's had his chances. And so has Burns. So hopefully they can just both be in fun fights. Um, oh, this felt good. Tai Tuivasa defeated Greg Hardy. Oh, my goodness. Again, folks, and this is no disrespect to, you know, again, no disrespect to the sport of football, anybody who loves it, anybody who's played it, and I got respect. You guys know what I'm talking about, and I know y'all who listen. I, I love y'all. I'm not coming at your sport. Please, please, please. I know, it's, I know it's sacred in America. Can we just stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? Uh, since, no, you know, nobody could take the sword in the stone better than, sadly, Brendan goddamn Schaub as far as NFL players to fight in the UFC. If he's our best example still after all this goddamn time, can we can we stop hyping these dudes? Fighting is something you either have or you don't. And to show that I'm not picking on football, I'll say this that I said on the South China Post morning chat with uh, John Hyunko and Aaron, is that even martial artists, folks, uh, I'm raising my hand here since you guys can't see me, um, even not all of us, um, a large majority of us, are not meant to fight. <laughs> Fighting is something you're either wired for, getting hit, or not. A lot of men who think they're men can hit and think that makes them men, no matter what or who they hit. Case in point, Greg Hardy. But, woman, don't hit back. Actually, they do, but you get what I'm trying to say. Um, when they get hit back, it's a it's a problem, and um, and uh, yeah. So uh, Greg Hardy just threw himself completely out of position. Like if you look at the footwork, it looks like he's like shooting like a penetration step, but with a left hook. <laughs> like two things that make no sense, and he puts himself completely out of position, and just gets smashed upside the head, and crumbles. It was fucking beautiful, and the fact that I cashed an under, and you know your boys luck with unders, like. The gods are looking out for us. It was a good night for the PYM boys, as somebody hit me up on Twitter. So that was uh, that was fucking amazing. And Tied to Ivasa was doing all the shoeies. And, you know, I've, I've never been a bigger fan of it at that point. I didn't care. Contrarian Dan be, be, contrarian Dan Tom be gone. Because that, uh, that, that was some awesome stuff. Sip some coffee there. Um, Aren Aldana defeated uh Yana Kunitskaya. Um man, beautiful left check hook. Gotta love it. You know I love me the left check hooks there. Um and, and I love me some Aldana. I didn't play it, but man was I happy for uh uh from a girl. <laughs> Kidding. Uh Sean O'Malley defeated Chris Motinho. Um Man, this was the only uh, play I missed and it probably should have cashed. I'm not even upset about it because it was a great night, obviously, but uh Again, if you're not going to miss a bet, it's got to go in the case like O'Malley, Moutinho, where the read was as clear as day. And it probably should have been stopped, slash woulda, coulda, should have been stopped with just a couple more seconds and a couple different decisions. Um, is very lucky he got out of the first round, which it probably shouldn't have. It probably should have still been stopped after that uh, when the fighter couldn't um, make it back to the round. And I'm not just, again, I'm not being butthurt for a bet. I'm not butthurt at all. It was a good night. Uh, but I will say, off technicality, aside from all the other many possibilities and feel good abouts of the almost cashing, technically it kind of should have cashed too because not just Motinho being rocked and there's not enough corners or refs willing to step the fuck in, but technically no one's supposed to step in and help the fighter to their corner. 
or it can be and will and should be declared called off. See Eric Anders versus Tiago Santos, uh, and see, you know, uh, and see what happened with uh, Motinho at the end of the first round. I think you've got cornermen, cutmen, and commission members. Like there's like three people helping him to get this kid to his corner. Um, I feel like you know, especially since head trauma is only getting worse and stoppages uh, are not getting any better and neither are corner stoppages or these ref or doctor stoppages um maybe we should you know lean more into the, those type of rules that uh, that protect the fighters and you know kind of take blame off yourself because it's them who are violating these rules you don't have to use your judgment call it's no they're clearly rocked because they couldn't make it to their corner that's why those rules exist but hey the fuck do I know? Just bleed, motherfuckers. And um, even though Montino, um wanted more and lost, it was O'Malley who was big on the injury list. Um, I think three of his limbs are compromised. And again, you know, wow, something Dan's been shouting forever keeps continually be proving to pr- be proven true. Whoa, that's crazy. That certainly doesn't happen on this show. It's okay. I'm not being a dick because you guys are the beneficiaries of it, clearly. But yes. Tall dudes who cut way too much damn weight for bantamweight is bad. Either for your gas tank, mm-hmm. or more importantly, for your limbs. Snap, 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 snap. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've already seen O'Malley, you know, not as bad a version, is actually separated on the foot. I forget the name of that injury. Um, but, yeah, he's got more ankle and wrist and hand shit going on now. So, um, yeah, okay, so hopefully uh, he, for his own sake, uh, of I don't know how much longer he has at bantamweight, to the fact that we need to see him get steps up and, you know, you know, so see come up and skip it. Uh, you know, he needs to take a step up, so, yeah. All right, uh, next fight, Max Griffin defeated Carlos Condit. Max Griffin, I didn't watch this that much. The only two parts I watched, apparently it was a good fight, but the only two parts I watched was, like, Max dropping Carlos, and then Max, I think, like giving up a position or a guillotine. I'm like, oh yeah, this fight's looking like exactly how I thought. <laughs> um, but but I heard I heard the guys made a good account of themselves. Um, Michelle Pejera. Um Shout out to my man Zane Simon. I love when Michelle Pejera fights just so I can hear my man Zane. <laughs> that shit, no, that's a it's a friendly zab. I should I should say that for when Zane's here to defend himself. Um, <laughs> defeated Nico Price. I was wrong on this one. Uh, thankfully, it was a it was a it was a it was a light dog shot. Um, ooh, ooh, coffee and no food's been killing me. Barely been sleeping and eating, folks. Boy, can't wait for this week to be done. Um, yeah, uh, Ilya Taporia defeated Ryan. <laughs> uh, possibly Hitler sympathizing Hall. <laughs> Dan, that's not his nickname. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, man, it's um. Yep, that that went. Um, you know, Taporia did did, did uh, took care of him accordingly, I guess. Um, and, and I'm not hating on Hall, by the way, but you know, if you're gonna say some insensitive anti-Semitic stuff, you know, Dan Tom's gonna gonna call you out for it, and, and not be a big fan of that kind of stuff. Has no play here on this show, because this is a show that actually calls out racism. You know. <laughs> Unlike other shows where people are fucking fla- flashing white power uh, on the screen multiple times. No, anyways, let's, uh, <laughs> it's okay, hey, 
<laughs> Racism isn't real. Um, but yeah, it, it was a uh, boy. Uh, speaking of race, I said, Drake is, Drake is too pleased to be German Giles. Jeez, I can't. South Africa. He's a real African. He's going to be the first, on his way to be the first real African champion. Sticking up for those farmers, you know. Certainly not colonial roots anyways, but, um, yeah. Drake is, was surprisingly silent about that this time around, but, uh. You know, he wasn't looking that great. He looked kind of stiff to me, but he, he man, this guy's got some finishing power. You know, he channeled his German super soldier look and South Africa. And he just fucking uh, nailed Jay Giles, man. Um, I picked Jay Giles, so this was one I was wrong on, but uh, I stayed away and stayed away for a reason. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see what uh, Duplicis, um does. I better say it right because he, he seemed to take offense like he was even calling Dana and Joda to say it right. It's very fitting of the stereotypes, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's very sympathetic to other people's pronunciations. and Anyways, um, all right. Jennifer Maya defeated Jessica. I didn't watch that. Uh, my man Brad Tavares defeated Omari Ahmedov by decision. Death taxes and Tavares by decision. I don't mean that as an insult. So hopefully my man Brad... Did not take it that way because I know he follows me and he's followed me on some bets before. Um, but that's just where I saw this one going. Uh, and to Brad's credit, man, he was trying to finish for all you third-round players. Brad and his team trying to they, they ain't fucking around out there, but Omari's tough, man. He's tough to finish. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, I, I get that some of the rounds were closer, especially if judges are going to get bullshitted by strikes that don't hit because it's that classic swing hard, don't hit. So it, it, it usually um, wins over the commentators and judges alike, right? Um, and not taking a shot at commentators, it's hard for them to see shots that hit live. But because of that sad nature, um, it just it's something that, that I cite because it, it it's nature and it reverberates through the uh, through all the viewpoints, right? From consumers, cage side, through the TV officials, not commentary, whatnot. So yeah, um, and then we closed off that two-legger with Zhao Gas, Zumagulov, Kazakh Jim Norton, who uh, defeated Jerome Levera, who was looking good early, but uh, Zhao Gas, man, it's not often you get to cash early, so I actually didn't play Poirier, even though I should have, because it would have cashed, but between that prop hitting and uh, the two decisions, like, to, to ensure profit in your first two fights, like, it's so rare to do that. Um, in a perfect world, we'd all try to do that, but if you try to do that, you'd get yourself in trouble because you'd just be betting things that aren't based off of analyses, value, etc. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when when the stars align and the play aligns like that way, and then to further align further, it actually fucking hits. My goodness. Um, I'd be a real dummy to not uh, stress discipline. Although, yeah, you know, it always could have, would have, should have been a more winning night, but I'll take it, man, because, again... I'm not victory lapping here because I will readily admit I've had way more losing nights in 2021 uh, than I've had winning, and most of us have, to be honest, so don't let anybody bullshit you. But, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I will enjoy it. Uh, oh, last note here, uh, Trump Zenhawk. <laughs> Trump was there. We didn't get a cutaway to him, though, and we didn't get Zenhawk, which I think uh, I think Trump was disappointed. You know, Dana, Dana, I came here to see the Zenhawk. I, uh, I heard good things. Hey, Trump, you sound a little stuffed up. I think it's a COVID moment. I just I want to see this hand hug. 
Yeah, we didn't get to see Zen Hog, and I think uh, I, th- I think I think uh, I think Trump was disappointed. The three things I love in life: Coke, soda, and Zen Hog. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I try to bring levity to the fucking political bullshit we have to deal with in this sport. Um, um, and you know, you gotta you gotta make fun of both sides. Speaking of which, data. Who makes better cages? You or Biden? <laughs> That's a good one, Trump. Uh, I really don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, folks, what's the time here? We're going to cut through this. 2834. <laughs> I didn't lose y'all with the, with the football or political jazz because you know Dan Tom can't help himself but be goddamn contrarian sometimes. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. All right, let's move on to... UFC Vegas 31 UFC and ESPN 26 UFC Makhachev versus Moises Islam Makhachev minus 820 Tiago Moises plus 570 uh, wrote this one up on my in-depth breakdown pretty much um, you know Moises man out of respect I, 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 I you know I say either sprinkle on him or pass but the official pick is Makhachev by decision um, I actually would love a grappling fight, and I think Makachev could win that. It looks like he is training with guys who are, are threatening to leg lock him because Moises is one of those IBJJF guys who actually knows and does leg locks. Um, and I'm sure they have gotten better with that over the years. I'm just stereotyping gi jitsu and trying to shit on IBJJF, so excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, Moises is uh, really good. I've underestimated him before, although I would still kind of stand by my reads. I think that he's quietly improved, though, and to my credit, did not condemn him. Instead, cashed on him to make back for that pretty bad decision uh, against Bobby Green, although with the way Bobby Green fights it's and the way these judges are, it's like, ugh. Probably should have seen that coming, right? Uh, anyways, but neither here nor there. Moises has shown improved countering ability. Um, his confidence is getting there. He's very durable, which is why I think it's going to go go long. Um, his counter counter right hands seem to be the common culprit for both guys, except for Moises also has the culprit of body work, which sadly I don't think will play too much because Makachev will kick to the body, but he doesn't punch there all that often. Um, or as much as I'd like, he does, he does punch there. Uh, he will like throw a two and, and sit into one, um, uh, but also uh, southpaws, which Makachev is, and Robert Watley beat him. I think Jason Knight fought him with a southpaw stance back in the day. Benil Dariush beat him. I know that was primary wrestling. Uh, I know he beat Michael Johnson. Moises did, but of course Michael Johnson was piecing him the fuck up on the feet before Moises hit a hail mary submission. And even though I completely disagree, with all due respect to Mark Montoya in Alexander's Hernandez's corner with Hernandez thinking that he won the fight, um, Hernandez did have his best moments from, not so surprisingly, Southpaw. So I think it's going to be a real saving grace for Makachev, who no longer just chases aggressively with his check right hook or right hook coming forward, I should say. Um, like he did with Adriano Martins that got him caught by a check right hook against the southpaw again. Another reason why I keep saying the southpaw for southpaw, check right hooks. I think that was another fight where you go back and read the breakdown where like, I picked Makachev, but I was like, he's got to watch out for Martins' check right hook. And I'm like, God damn it. Why do I call southpaw for a southpaw match? Why do I analyze them right and then pick them wrong? Anyways, it makes it hard to toot my own horn on the south. As, as Bronstetter calls me, the southpaw whisperer there. But yeah, anyways, um... Yeah, so I, I, you know, those shots will be live counter rights on both sides. Opportunistic finishes will be live for the underdog, but favorite should roll. 
Um, but yeah, I ain't touching it either. Just sprinkle the money long, which is up to plus 570, which means that the plus 700 inside the distance line I saw earlier is probably even higher than that, um, which is uh, if you want to sprinkle on that main event, that's probably how you do it. Uh, Misha Tate, minus 142. Marion Renault, plus 120. A bit leveling out. Uh, Misha was getting up toward plus one fi- minus 150, which bummed me out. Uh, but luckily, uh, I jumped on her around the minus 122 or 125 mark, depending on which house uh, I'm referencing for my own grab. And she's still at a reasonable chalk entry point price if you want to put your money on a 57-month layoff. I know that's not usually where my money goes. However... You know how I always say that, like, it seems like that, you know, that ring rust over one year rule that we were hard and fast. And a lot of that shouts to Fightnomics Reed, who I'll give a further shout here and shout it and link to my article because uh, I do respect the man's work. But I also thought respectfully that we, we just it just wasn't much, it was much of a factor in recent years. And I've said it all the time. And I've always brought up a bunch of anecdotal examples to you guys. Well, guess what? I actually dived into the numbers. And although, again, I didn't go through complete thing, I, I sampled over 60 relevant high-level fights since, or comeback turnarounds, layoffs since 2013, and r- roughly uh, 57% is the win rate for fighters who come off a year-plus layoff. That's roughly 20% jump from the 35% that it did sit on. From a man reads research. Again, I don't present to have. I don't claim to have definitive the definitive numbers on here, because I do not. But I did do a decent amount of legwork and sampled a healthy amount of samples to at least help portend the trends that we uh, uh, and I specifically have been seeing and citing on this show. And I be, I'm very hesitant to say that because I'm presenting something with bias and I was really careful not to do that. In fact, of the samples, um, there's three uh, no contests in there. The no contests are like Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad, because Leon Edwards is coming off a turnaround. Uh, John Jones, Cormier too, uh, where we saw him knock the guy out and we saw a pretty much definitive round for, you know, uh, and where it was trending for Edwards, Bilal. And then the other um, no contest was uh, Brock Lesnar, who got a decision victory over Mark Hunt. Um, So those are pretty arguable wins, right? But I included them in the sample sizes, and even as no contest, they actually hurt the percentage, folks. They bring the percentage down. So I was not biased in how I selected these. I went through men, female rosters active. I went through people released year by year. I went through random fight cards, card by card, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, um, uh, tracking all these things. So, um, And when you narrow down that group even further, as Misha Tate is amongst a more minority of the group with a longer layoff to three-plus year layoffs, um, the winning percentage is 71.88%. So it actually gets better. Right, like I was saying, these long layoffs, whether it's George St. Pierre or fighters, maybe that shouldn't shouldn't have won, but they still did, like Jessica Penne. Um, the the percentages got better. Now, when you get to four and five years, the sample size gets really low, right? Um, I believe it was like something like, I don't know, like 
five two and one or something for five yeah I think it's like five two and one. Uh, so the percentage gets adjusted to a 68, I believe, win percentage, 68%, roughly a 68% win percentage if you're coming off roughly a five-year or more layoff. You're still in a, you're still good, you're still more probable to win than you're going to lose, which is an insane turnaround. Um, and again, I went through, you know, champions, this and that, and, and, and when you go through those more of that later group, by the way, you know, you do get everything from GSP's tr- uh, comeback to, you know, Bellator's Legend League with Hoist and fucking Ken and Kimbo. You get, you know, Saku's uh, return at Ryzen and Shinya Aoki. Against Shinya Aoki, you get, you know, uh, Antonio McKee's return. So be wary, you know, that, you know, according to the criteria that I set out for myself, that's what it um, outlines. But yeah, I list examples. Uh, even pregnancy return rate, um, which was three and three, and I'm sure there's more, but I really it, it was surprising because you know not as much moms as you would think. It's a lot of the same moms that fighting. It's, it's why it seems like the narrative is there, and a lot of the moms either had their kids before their careers, like Montana De La Rosa or uh, Kat Zingano, or they adopt midway through their career, like Chris Cyborg or Kayla Harrison, right? So I just tracked high-level female fighters who had children like, in the middle of their careers, you know, middle of their primes in the UFC, and what did that turnaround look like? And there was only three of those instances that I sampled from or could really find without going, you know, to like some debutante or some really random... You know, strike force challengers, shit, right? Again, at 2013 to now, um, and uh, and yeah, three and three for a 50% win rate, which I know is not very helpful and pretty obvious there, but um, age was not really a factor, um, because it, you know the the age and cro- the cross sections for these for both female and men kind of run the board, um. You know, and I had statistics on, like, you know, it is clear that if you did it once, you were more likely to f- succeed on your first comeback and, and fail on your second. Um, There's some people who flip that on their head. There's some people that scatter between. Um, but with the female pregnancies, I noticed that a lot of them cited uh, the strength and acclimation. But it was strange because a lot of them only waited, like, a year to c- come back. They all get the itch at the same time. Mine is Nern. It's probably going to have that record for a minute, that like four-month return to Rebus. And that was a loss, and she was a young one. So it was, that sample size is kind of everywhere. Um, but it would make you lead to believe that this won't be the best Misha that the second fight will be. And I'm sure there's some truth to that for anybody coming off a layoff, no matter the circumstances. And I don't have the clue, so I'm not going to talk too much about pregnancy. I'm not a woman, folks. But I can only imagine, right? And that being said, though, if you look at all these samples and, and you look at their second fights... The records don't really improve. It goes to 3-2-1 and one because Nina Nunes has not fought a second time since dropping to her comeback fight to Dern, right? She's accounted for in that sample as well. So interesting stuff. Go check out that article. Um, but for this one, the stats that are relevant to the style, aside from the statistical woo-woo, why I'm backing Tate, biasly yes, but also why unbiasedly I'm backing Tate, is because Mary Renault, man, I'm a big fan of her, but you know she isn't as much intangible for the comeback. Well, Renault's retiring and is an older fighter, and 
Not that age is a is, a, is something that I like to harp on. I'm the one who loves to stand for the older fighters and in these female divisions age is less detrimental man you can be older and be kicking ass and a lot of times i like the i i, I you know I, I like the more mature uh you know mama's to kick some ass and renault has that in her but for whatever reason she just doesn't pull the trigger she gives position on the feet she back her seats based on the cage um gives position on the ground and unless she gets the opportunistic counter right hand, which she throws less and less, she has to rely on opportunistic submission, which the only person that submitted her from guard was uh, two ex-Ronda Rousey losses back in the day for Tate, like a decade ago. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. She's an excellent top-control grappler, and Marion Renault has been taken down in 10 of her last 10 fights. So I think Tate rolls here, and I played the chalk. I know, it's crazy. You know, they fall me off that cliff, but everything going on this week or the, this card it's not a great one for betting and that's that's where my money ended up next fight uh mateus gamrot minus 215 jeremy jeremy little heathen stevens stevenson as uh, goldberg says in his first intro back at ufc 76 is jeremy stevens who was a plus 180 underdog debuted when chuck liddell was still champion sure chuck lost it that night that jeremy, jeremy debuted but still it's pretty crazy to say which is true he's Debuted when Chuck Liddell was still champion. Um, that being said, I've been a defender of Jeremy Steven more than most, especially made a lot of uh, decent uh, dog money there on his run when, uh, as I used to say, he was like the junkyard dog who figured out how to work his own chain in that Josh Emmett Duha Choi run and whatnot. But um, it's he, he's still pretty in- inconsistent. It's like sometimes he learns how to faint and he brings his footwork to work with him, and sometimes he just is Jeremy Steven zombie mode. Um, either way, as we saw with the Calvin Cade fight, uh, even when he had the leg kick looks, which won't be as easy this time because Gamrot, though he has been fighting more from orthodox, is a southpaw f- fighter, lists himself as a southpaw fighter, but switches stance a lot, so he's going to have that options. And Gamrot has a lot of calf kicks that come his way because he throws them to himself, being a staple member now of American Top Team. So. Couple that with the wrestling, you could argue that he's kind of the guy made to beat Jeremy Stevens. The one thing that worries me here, though, is is Stevens, again, for all his capabilities uh, and incapabilities, and even with the times where he's actually trying to be smart and having capability at the same time, um, you know, you got to respect that because he's a guy that, like with Dennis Bermudez, you lean over heavy on that lead foot, he's going to fly knee you in the face. And Gamrot can do that. He dips and rolls heavily. I like that he rolls off his crosses. I like that he's always fainting and working off the level change. But against an explosive guy, um, this is why rear uppercuts tend to work well on Gamrot. But against an explosive guy who also can have those knees like Stevens, that could be very dangerous, especially if he either looks or tries to take that low single that he does. Now, I think he can hit it on Stevens. Actually, probably one of the, the better entries to finish on him. But the risk versus reward, it, there will be risk in there is what I'm saying. So I don't blame anybody that played Gamrot from minus 170, even minus 215. That's still, if you're looking for a heavy chalk to, to dump on, I don't blame anybody putting it on Gamrot in this spot, especially hindsight. How many more times, you know, again, all due respect to Jeremy Stevens, how many, how many more times are you going to have to fade this guy, right? Um, so uh, I don't blame anybody for putting Gamrot in parlays. I don't know how I'm going to use them. I think you can pretty much get him with even money if you put him with another southpaw lower, with uh, you know, with R- R- Rodriguez. You know, get a plus one fifty five. You add Big Fig to the equation, another southpaw there. 
and maybe you do the southpaw parlay, um, or you play them straight up, or you do what I did, um, plus 225 Gamrot by decision. Um, could he knock Stevens out somewhere to the uh, to the Holtzman one? Perhaps. Um, but uh, I feel like uh, Holtzman, not as durable as Stevens, despite looking like a, a damn tank. And also, um, they got a headbutt and back-of-the-head shots. That, I'm not trying to take away from Gamrot, but that did happen, and it looked to like buckle Holtzman before the knockout. So, um, Stevens, you know, I did predict him to lose by knockout to Cater. Uh, but yeah, so, but that was Cater and Gamera, not, not the biggest for this division. And I think he's got to fight smart. I, uh, I think he's just going to frustrate and point fight him like, um, Moicano did in a similar spirit, I should say, not like him. Um, so Gamera by decision is the play and I don't blame any other angles on how you want to utilize that money line for him. Next fight, um, Adolfo Vieira minus 235, Dustin Stolfus minus 194, Stolfus. Ah, you like Germany, huh? Um, dude's really into Germany. Man, when I, when I covered him Contender Series, I'm like, did that guy just throw up a questionable hand signal? Which, like, I feel like now I gotta, like, question all hand signals now. <laughs> it's like, black people aren't allowed to wear hoodies and, like, white dudes aren't allowed to have hand signals anymore. Like, is, is that what is that what it's come to? <laughs> just kidding. Kidding, I'm kidding, folks. Kidding, Jesus Christ. Anyways, whew, all right, Dan, stay on target. Stolfus. <laughs> I love Stolfus's last fight. You can hear like the commentators like trying to out German each other on how to say his, his name. They're like Stolfus. Eins, eins, eins. Anyways, I'm gonna pick Adolfo Vier here. I'm not confident. Um, in hindsight, it could be a parlay piece. Stolfus seems ca- calm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or Luta Libre, I should say, is his specialty. Um, grappling. He's been training at Syndicate. So if he's going to show imp- improvements, it's now. But I just think he's too lax um, to gas off Adolfo Vieira. But I also don't think he's pretty technical. And because he's lax, I don't know if he's going to give anything to Vieira, who I imagine is going to be playing conservative, right, after his last time out. So maybe over angles for that one. Um, let's see. Yeah, over to ooh. I might actually sprinkle on some over there. This is, I, I'm seeing some plus money on some overs. Um, I say overs or some chalks. That's about it. Uh, but I, I I stayed away as of now. Although I, I may be sprinkling on them overs. Next fight: Gabriel Benitez minus one sixty four. Billy Billy Quarantine. Billy Quarantillo. Billy Quarantine. Out of the quarantine, plus 136. I went to his IG, and he was just like, day two of quarantine in the books. I'm like, every day is an easy day of quarantine for Billy Quarantine. Come on now. Buffalo's finest in South Florida, Tampa. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know me. I love me some Billy Q, man. I, I don't care. He lost his last fight. I stick by my guy. But no, all bias aside, there is some things to worry about because he did lose to a southpaw. And his 1KO loss by Michel uh, Quinones um, was a karate-based orthodox fighter who would switch to southpaw and switch to southpaw that he did for that head kick KO. Um, but like Billy Q said, about a baseball bat is the only thing you're going to stop him with. And 
Michel Quinones, though that fight was technically at 145, that was like only one of two fights that the guy had at 145 because he was gigantic. He was uh, on his way out of that weight class. He was way too big for that weight class. That is Michel, who knocked out Billy Quarantine. Um, not that it stopped Quarantine from winning or knocking dudes out at lightweight, uh, who he, by the way, has a better record than Benitez uh, at lightweight, but... Uh, but yeah, so um, so he's gonna have Benitez here another another southpaw. Uh, it was a decent sized southpaw, by the way, Benitez. But yeah, clearly I think that um, length parities and size parities uh, I don't think bodes well for him, which is why uh, he's better at 145, and which is maybe why Barbosa, to the dismay of many, including myself, did go to 145 and is doing better because even though he's a different fighter, he doesn't have quite the same shuffling nature like auto shuffle. Like a Homer Barbosa, he has a lot of that same spirit stylistically. He has a lot of it. That is Benitez, who I'm a big fan of. One of my favorite tough Latam guys. I say it all the time. But he is essentially that IQ test, right? Of are you going to grapple this guy and pressure him? Because even though he actually has some decent layers and has gotten better, he's got those kind of step back uh, pull counters. He's got much better uppercuts and boxing in the pocket. Um, and, and can counter in combination more. He can take the southpaw angles like Tucker did. But the problem is he doesn't fight as well going backwards. And unlike Tucker, he doesn't have that level-changing takedown. That was the thing that really won Tucker the fight, I believe. Um, body work, which quietly when I went to look back... I'm sorry, Billy Q, I'm not trying to out you, dude. But I feel like body you're so tough that the body is open. And some corners have already spotted that, even though they couldn't take advantage of it, like Kyle Nelson's. Um, and you see that even in another fight as well. Uh, it, the body seems to be the way to attack Billy Billy, Billy Quarantine. So that's going to be worth looking out for. Like, if Benitez stops Billy Quarantine, I think it's probably going to be a liver kick more than a head kick. But I, I, I do think that it's it's liver kick or bust. Um, Benitez does punch the body too, which is nice. I, I didn't remember as much. I'm like, oh yeah, Benitez definitely works the body. But you could tell that as far as doing damage, it's going to be a kick that's going to have to damage that body. Um, and that's going to, what you got to watch out here for, for Quarantillo. But Quarantillo, thankfully, pressures like a madman, and he's in that small cage. And I don't think Benitez, similar to uh, another southpaw we covered, McGregor, I don't think he fights great going backwards outside of that those couple moves and layers. Um, I don't think there's extended layers, and Billy Quarantine can get hit on the first shot or two, but he sees it, he rolls with it, and he keeps coming and extends combinations. Um, I think his trip takedown that he does, that like a lot of Alliance guys you would see do, actually probably would work better against a southpaw because he tends to like to sag off and trip off to that right side when he changes his level for the double, but it's also a takedown that you see reversed a lot, and with Benitez being a decent scrambler and decent defender, um, against the cage, um, we could see Quarantillo get stuck up. But here's the thing is Benitez never strikes in the clinch, literally. Like, there are repetitive zeros throughout 15 minutes fights where he doesn't land anything from the clinch. He doesn't even attempt it because he's so worried about takedowns um, that he has totally, because he's been fighting since 2007. They're the same age, but Benitez, by, by the way, he has doubled the fights. So he's got some miles on him. Um, and enough miles to proclaim confidently enough to that he to say that he's not developed a he's really fucked up and not developed a clinch game because of it a clinch striking game he's got his guillotine and his takedown defense he's so damn focused on that's why um, whereas Billy Quarantine is a really good clinch striker even though Gavin Tucker which was the key Gavin Tucker would change levels and smother to the clinch when Quarantine to, to combat his pressure 
uh, because body work, even though it was good, it still wasn't enough. Even though it was working, it still wasn't enough. That's how that's how much Billy Quarantine comes after you. And maybe because I was just in awe of just a really smart and disciplined game plan and, you know, countering my betting bias on the night of, I didn't realize that Quarantine was actually doing some good work, Billy. Uh, but, yeah, he was, man. He actually was. It's just Tucker was just super smart and would clench him knee him to the body, and or hit level-changing takedowns because he also had the layer of not just takedowns in wrestling offensively that Benitez does not have, but legitimate layers on the ground with a legitimate Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Henzo Gracie, which Benitez does not have any of those attributes outside of his guillotine as far as submission grappling goes, folks. So that plus the small cage, I think it's one of those cases like kind of like Burns Thompson where Benitez has been around, but you look at the competition, the quality of the competition, the time he faced the competition, um, you know, uh, short notice affairs, where they were in their career, and the fact that these were all primarily lower level fighters slash lower level strikers. Um, he's never really faced a lot of aggressive grapplers, and when he did, um, he lost. Although I saw, I thought at the time because I was biased and picked and played Benitez, I thought he beat and should have beat, or at the very least got the draw because of the knockdown against Barzola. You look at it now, especially with refined eyes, that uh, hopefully we've all refined our eyes on scoring, folks. Shout out to the Sean Sheehan's of the world, as far as uh, the bad call episodes of Ed Gallo and the fight site that helped keep us in line. Uh, but yeah, that fight sh should have been scored for Benitez. But still, uh, nevertheless, the fact that uh, because, you know, Barzola was able to get takedowns and he wasn't able to do anything because Benitez is a decent scrambler. However, um, Barzola was able to take his back toward the end, even though he's not a good back taker. And Billy Quarantine is definitely a good back taker, a good ground game. And um, whether he's ahead on the cards or it's close, you can bet that he's going to pour it on anytime he can get to the back or mount position. And for that reason, I think he can force a stoppage in rounds two or three. I ended up sprinkling on round three. As you guys know, the average price or the price that uh, is my default line by the time it gets bet down toward the end of the week at least, you never want to see a round three below 1,200. In my opinion, that's too low on value. Really good round three finishers will get to the plus 700 to plus 900 mark by Friday or Saturday. Folks, it is Friday, and Billy Quarantine is somehow being listed as a plus 2,000 for a, the round three fighter that he is. Now, Benitez is excellent cardio. Fantastic fucking cardio. He never shows for it to wear, even at elevation. However, the one fight it did kind of show to wear was that Bozzolo fight, which wasn't an elevation, and he was forced to wrestle a lot, I believe. So, um, not that I'm counting on Benitez to gas, it's more that I'm counting on the dog in quarantine, because win or lose, Billy Quarantine will fight for your money. It is the season of the scrappy white dude, folks, and they've been cashing. I'm backing my boys. <laughs> Uh, give me, give me quarantine, baby. I put a, I put a unit on him, one point five on Misha, and, and a unit on quarantine. Um, if you notice, I do that to adjust the values. That's why, um, why my last betting sheet was a winning net because, like I tell you guys, and how I put the unit counts, I always go heavy on the chalk, and I count that for whatever my winnings on that heavy chalk play, whether it's a parlay or a big straight play. Um, I use the potential winnings of that as my um, limit for that week. So my dog shots and whatever, my prop shots and flyers are going to be smaller amounts because they're plus money. You don't have to put as much to win as much, right? And it's my fits into, falls into my attempt at a budget there, a system at a budget. So anyways, 
Put a unit on Billy Quarantine. Um, anyway, we got uh, D-Rod. Daniel Rodriguez, minus 300. Pretty sure D-Rod is a reference to his dick, but okay. Preston Parsons, man, plus 245. It was pretty cool. A little bit insight. I still don't know if he's with Ludus and Billy. Uh, what was his name? Billy. Coach Billy. Fuck. Um, but uh, he had a really tight-knit team. I know there's a lot of places to train down there in South Florida. Uh, Preston's is a tank. He's listed at 5... Is he 5'11"? I don't know. We'll see. I think he's like more like 5'10". He was like 5'8", 5'9", man. He was like 5... He looked like the same height as Jeremy Stevens when they were going to town back in like 2015. So... And he was only like an 18-year-old kid then. <laughs> Preston was. So to see him like go up the ranks is crazy. Um, he like really like slugged it out with Jeremy Stevens. Surprise, surprise to no one. And sure enough, he ended up getting knocked out in his fight. A couple months after that session, I witnessed to Mike Perry via me. Um, since then, though, Parsons has been doing pretty good. The only guy he lost to was um, uh, Valdir, uh, something I forget. He he's a old school guy. He like fought like Chris Weidman back in Ring of Combat to a decision and shit. Um, and he got guillotined by him uh, via vet move. Although he actually got calf kicked up uh, prior to that. Um, I don't think he's got to worry about the calf kicks because Rodriguez doesn't really throw him, and he's a southpaw. However, he did get rocked and almost knocked out against a lower-level southpaw in one of his Titan fights that is Preston Parsons. Um, and he ended up finishing the guy because he re-wrestles him for singles, like I always preach. And, you know, he's definitely good with those moves, and he's got his chains and systems. Uh, of course, I know Preston because his coach Billy was um, under Neil Melanson. Um, so they cross trained there, came out to Alliance from Florida and I came from Vegas to Florida to train with Neil as well. Hence that, um, connection. But, um, but yeah, um, so I, I'm happy for the kid wishing him well here, but I do think D rod rolls. It's the small cage. So it worries me. You know, D rod was taken down, uh, a couple times in his last fight. Um, I think like two out of four or three out of six, something like that. um, so, you know, which is, you know, not as good as his takedown defense rate, you know, represents. But that's also kind of weird because, again, he hasn't fought too many really dedicated grapplers there. Um, and he's going to have one here. Uh, however, again, Preston can be caught on the way in. Um, Rodriguez has a decent guillotine and has some decent takedown defense and get up, especially against the cage. Uh, so, you know, he's got his nice uh, circles off with his jab, L steps. Things like that that are going to serve him well. So I do like uh, D-Rod here. Um, you know, but I wouldn't be the, the the maddest in the world to be wrong about that, given uh, Preston Parsons' background. Good to see a kid make it. He's wanted this for a while um, since he started. So good on him. Uh, Amanda Lemos, minus 550. Uh, Monstrat Ruiz, plus 410. This is a pinch. If you got in on early, uh, like my man Clint, congrats. That's a that's a good chalk price for Lemos. I like her. She counters in combination, which is rare. <laughs> uh, and, but it's essentially it's going to be an IQ test for her, as is anybody who fights Monstrat Ruiz, which is the scarf hold IQ test. Can you avoid the head and arm choke, which means can you avoid the scarf hold? Um, and can you get to your base and to your knees and take someone's back um, with the scarf hold that Cheyenne Bays kind of failed to do and was trying for in her defense? But yeah, I'm going to take Lemos here. Um, probably get a finish, a decision. I didn't I don't really care to pinpoint it. It's way too chalked up for me. Um, Khalid Taha, minus 154. Sergey Marzov, 
plus 130. I came into this week leaning Taha, probably because I've been so wrong on him, and he's underestimated or overperformed. Um, you know, I know he lost against Barcelos, but, I mean, aside from that, um, I think I didn't know contest was like just for like weed or something stupid, too. Uh, and Sergey Marzov even didn't look great, but I have to remind myself that Marzov's only lose, lost to good guys, like Yves Loev. And I also have to remind myself that although the inflated lines and the hype is certainly real, uh, Umar Namagamadov actually had some some really good skills, both kicking at range and takedowns, and uh, pretty much just kept Morozov on defense with an insane amount of discipline volume. And that would have been a tough fight for anybody. This fight, however, against Khalid Taha is in the small cage, and I like that because Taha, um, even though he's a dangerous, dangerous counterpuncher, uh, and has some German wrestling credentials for what that's worth. Um, he's still not the best defensively taken down, and he he's not good at shutting down clinches. He allows guys to clinch with him, and guys have been able to establish double double unders on him somewhat easily, and that's going to be really bad news because Morozov, a lot of pancreation style fighters do, or a lot of uh, fighters you know uh, from that you know region of the world. Um, they operate really well from body lock. Uh, so does Morozov. He does really well, and even with like the M1 cages that are shortened cages, where it's only like half the cage, he still was very uh, much uh, able to use that in his game to push fighters up, chain his takedowns, use his level-changing shots to come up to the body lock, and vice versa. So I actually really like that a lot. I mean, he throws some really decent kicks too. Again, he had a longer, much better, much more active kicker who actually was also the better wrestler. Um, and Umar Nurmagomedov last time, he won't have that here. He's going to have a shorter fighter who boxes, who doesn't kick, and doesn't have as good kick defenses or kick answers, although he still will have to watch out for Khalid Taha's potent counters. But outside of getting caught by a clean counter, I think Morozov can roll here. Uh, I think he's going to get him by decision, and the odds are looking that way too with the way these totals are stacked. So with that the case, I'm not going to sweat the technique and the result, or not so much the result, but the method, I should say. And instead, I'll go for money line results and just take Morozov at plus 130. I sprinkled small, just a half unit. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I sprinkled small, just like a half unit um, uh, there. So, uh, and I know my, I know my guy Clint was on that. I, I, I'm pretty sure I picked Taha on the show, just because again that was my lean going in. I didn't research, but after researching, that's that's where I came up to. So. For whatever that's worth. Miles Johns minus 190. Anderson Dos Santos plus 160. I was interested in looking at Anderson Dos Santos until I remembered how Miles Johns like flips a lot of his perceived stereotypes on his head by getting the third round finish. Uh, hopefully he can find that jab and stay consistent. I'll put, hopefully he's still working with Fortis MMA. Safe Sayud is a great coach to work with. Good camp. So I'm going to go with Johns and stay away though. The earlier line, like minus 170 to the minus 180s on Johns. I feel like that could be a steal in retrospect, but Anderson Dos Santos is another fighter who will fight for your money if you're back in the dog here. I am not. I'm picking Johns and staying away. Next fight, Francisco Figueredo minus 300. Malcolm Gordon plus 235. I'm going to take Big Fig, um, but it'll be interesting because he's a top player Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, whereas Mark Malcolm Gordon is a very opportunistic and good bottom player. That said, Figueredo comes from the Marajo uh, brothers uh, grappling team. Really well-schooled jiu-jitsu guys, familiar with leg locks and of the sort. Um, and I think Big Fig can do enough bullshitting and controlling uh, 
you know, on the feet. I think he's going to try to make it as boring as possible and will likely succeed. So uh, I'll take Big Fig. Um, didn't play him, but he was one of those that I threw out there that you could maybe include on a Southpaw parlay that I may throw in for fun for plus money. Um, Rodrigo Nascimento, minus 350. Alan Badeau, plus 280. Did not research this at all. Uh, Nascimento should roll, but for that price, good luck. I'm um, not going to read off the other fights because they don't seem to be happening. So, all right, how did we do on time? Oof, we just made it over an hour. Sorry, folks. I, you, you guys call me for not getting in under the expedited. It's okay. Uh, taking Makhachev over Moises. Taking Tate over Renault. Taking Gamrat over Little Heathen Stevens. Taking Vieira over Stolfus. The Germans taking Billy Quarantine over Benitez, taking D Rod over Preston Parsons, taking Lemos over Ruiz, taking Morozov over Taha, taking Johns over DeSantos, taking Big Fig over Gordon, taking Nascimento over Badeau. Uh, parlay piece is Gamrot. You can tie him to another Southpaw and D Rod for close to even money. You can make it a trifecta of Southpaw with Big Fig for like plus 155-ish. Uh, I did play Quarantine round three plus 2,000. Gamrot by decision, uh, plus 225. Both of those for a quarter unit. I'll probably sprinkle a quarter unit on an over for um, Stolfus Vieira to be contrarian, possibly. We'll see. Straight plays, I took Billy Quarantine at one unit plus 38. Took Tate minus 122. Oh, she's now more toward minus 140, 1.5 units, and Morozov plus 120 um, at 0.5 units. Uh, avoid whatever you like. Don't listen to me. It's a crazy week. Just bet carefully. Hopefully, we can keep this positive momentum going. I'm glad I was able to help y'all um, with your picks and plays. Uh, you guys can more than welcome to tip at the PayPal at mixedmarshallanalyst.com as this program is free, although I reservedly say that because, A, I hate advertising, and, B, the people that keep tipping there are the dudes who keep doing it over and over again. Y'all stop. I, I, I'm glad I'm able to help you on your winnings, but y'all are too fucking kind. Uh, if you want to support this show for free to both of us, uh, to everybody, you know, pretty much, uh, go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com where that PayPal link is on the right. You may have to toggle on the mobile, but you will also see on it and Amazon click-throughs. I know they are corporations that we don't necessarily like to shop from, but if we they are a necessary evil for you, then go ahead and ease your conscience by killing two birds with one stone, adding two extra clicks for the price of nothing. You just go to the website, click on the banner, and boom, you do your shopping and on it. Boom, you do your shopping at Amazon. It cuts back a small percentage of your sale and no extra cost to you, and it goes right back to this show, which I guarantee you it goes to. Believe me. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. No read-throughs today. It won't give me your personal information if you want to have a David Carradine one night in Bangkok. And uh, yeah, I thought you were going to get through without that, right? Without that joke. Um, but I won't I won't call you out. I will pontificate on the items purchased. Um, you can also support on YouTube. Subscribe, Daniel, Tom, MMA. Give this video a like if you're already there. Shout out to all your YouTubers in the comments. It was a crazy week. I didn't get to reply to you like I normally do. Apologies that I'm late on that. And thank you for all you guys' five-star ratings and review on Apple Podcasts for the Protect Your Neck Podcast, which you can subscribe, share, and find at the PYM Podcast. Uh, I will try to tag and retweet you if you tag us or me at DanTomMMA. Good luck on your picks and plays this weekend, and always protect your neck. <laughs>